Industry-leading, difference-making, tomorrow-shaping, world-changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash techcareers and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future. At Deloitte. Put industry leading, difference making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte technology careers at Deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay. We are live. We'll let the stream breathe here just for a second. Make sure it's nice and stable. You all know the drill. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He is my fellow football priest, Zach Kelberman. Zach, Thursday has come and gone, and aside from a little Washington Redskins drama, or the team formerly known as the (laughs) Washington Redskins drama, uh, which, by the way, Man, they are in the crosshairs right now. There's all kinds of bad press coming out about them and accusations. And I don't know if you heard the Capri, uh, Capri Bibbs. And Jay Gruden. Uh, Jay, yeah, crazy. Triangle, but crazy. Jay Gruden and Capri Bibbs purportedly, they had a, a love triangle with, a, with a, a receptionist or something at Washington HQ that may or may not have led to the grievous injury to Alex Smith. Yeah. That's wild. Crazy world we're living in. It went like he was benched for that game, and on that play he was supposed to be in, but he was on the bench, and the running back who replaced him missed a block, and that's why Alex Smith got injured and probably ruined his career. Uh, There's so much coming out of our nation's capital right now, Chad, in relation to the football team there. uh, Dan Snyder, I wouldn't want to be him right now. He might be removed from his position. I mean, uh, the the play-by-play guy left, the, the player of personnel left they've lost so many people and all these accusations they've ran some like porn ring almost with the cheerleaders i don't want to speculate it's just whatever right. crap you can think about an organization and what one person would do they're doing it that that culture is beyond toxic it's wild i was talking to another colleague about this today and i was saying that you know some of it i i'm taking with a grain of, of salt just a little bit and i'm not saying i don't consider everything to be plausible but i'm taking some of it with a grain of salt because they are very much in the crosshairs of, you know, what we'll just call them the cancel culture right now. Okay. And so you don't know how much of it is, is perhaps being, I I won't say manufactured, but overblown or so for that reason, you know, I'll kind of wait till the dust settles, but I think this Gruden bibs thing at the very least bears some scrutiny for the national media and the, and the Washington media, but man, bibs and Hey, at least that's semi Bronco related because bibs, of course, (laughs) Broncos college free agent pickup. 
That's right. That's how sad things are right now, Chad. That's that qualifies as news for us. A former Broncos running back doing that and whatever's going on there in Washington's crazy. Well, tonight, of course, is our favorite podcast of the week. It's the Mile High Mailbag because Zach and I are your football priests. Each and every week, we are here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. So if you got them, put them in the stream, put them in the chat stream. We'll get to Fire them away. tonight. We're looking forward to it. Uh, first, though, a couple of quick matters of business, and then there's two topics that I wanted to get to with you, Zach, get your thoughts on. Uh, but real quick, well, before we dive into those, as the show continues to grow, I want to make sure our new listeners know how to connect with us on social the best way to do it is to follow the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. That way you don't miss anything as it relates programming, giveaways, polls, the whole nine with the Huddle Up Podcast. And then while you're at it, make sure you're following at Mile High Huddle for breaking Broncos news and analysis as it unfolds in real time. And guys, check out the merch store if you're in a position to get your swag on, get a hat, get a T-shirt, get a football priest or a Mile High Huddle hoodie or a mug. There's a little something for everybody, as you guys hear us talk about on the show. Just a gentle reminder. And if you're not in a position to patronize the merch store, it's all good. These three things, each and every one of you listening to this podcast right now, whether you're live with us or listening after the fact on demand, you can do these three things. First and foremost, especially if you're on YouTube, subscribe, like this video. And if you really love what Zach and I are doing for you, share it out there and help the podcast continue to grow and reach new listeners and like-minded fans within Broncos country. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, the Super Chats have all just suddenly went off the chain while we were going through those matters of business. I want to get to them, but first... There was one little piece of news, Bronco-related, that came out Thursday, and that is from Mike Kliss, to credit the KUSA insider, rookie's report date for training camp, uh, to the 23rd. So instead of showing up on the 21st, and camp is supposed to kick off on the 28th if the NFLPA and the NFL can get on the same page with everything, but they're kicking it back two days. Not exactly sure why, but amid that news, Zach, was further news today that other first-round picks and other draft picks around the league are getting signed up to their rookie contracts. And still, Zach, there has been no movement. So is that something to, to, to worry about? 
as far as the, I mean, I, I think it's just a matter of they're waiting to be in the physic, same physical location as these rookie picks to, to get them signed up. I would imagine all of the negotiations have already took place. Yeah. They're just waiting until they're in the building. Yeah, I don't think it's a huge deal waiting a couple days. There's still, I, I think the NFL also and teams associated with uh, what's going on, obviously, they're buying themselves some time because, like you said, and like I said yesterday, there is no resolution as to what's going to happen for training camp, for the preseason, even if there is a preseason, for the regular season, for fans. I, I read today there's not going to be any fans at training camp, but that, beyond that, we don't know anything. So they're just kind of just delaying the inevitable right now, pushing it back as far as it can be pushed back. In a normal year, Rookies report a few days early anyway. It's not a, it's not a huge difference between that and this year. Um, I think it's like you said, logistics, formalities, not not a huge deal, and not really breaking news either. It's just like it's another sign, Chad, how slow things are right now. We were talking about this before we went live, but you know, lamenting that there is no news, and for guys like us, you know, we and for fans too. I mean, we're all in the same boat. We live and die by the news cycle. We want to we want to analyze. We want to talk about it. And I was saying, man, if I have to write one more article about some list the Broncos were ranked on, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go crazy. But we got to talk about it because the Denver Broncos, Zach, I think it's fair to say, and this was something we talked quite a bit about at the end of last season, if we can all go back in time a little bit, retrospective to, let's just say, the last two, three weeks of December. And Cortland Sutton was getting smothered in coverage. He was getting bracketed with a corner and a safety and now, I mean, you know, you had Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick make the occasional play, but neither one of those two wide receivers was ever really able to take pressure and, and demand off of Sutton and open things up for that offense. And we openly talked about in December before the season ended how badly the Broncos needed to upgrade that position. It was the worst kept secret in the NFL that John Elway was going into this offseason, especially this draft, looking for a rehaul, uh, kind of a to. A, I don't know, upgrade, I guess is the best sense, the wide receiver position, overhaul it. I think that was the word I was looking for. And exactly that's that's what Elway did. First two picks in the draft, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. Then he drafts Tyree Cleveland out of Florida in the seventh round. And then just to hedge his bets, he signs two college free agents, Kendall, Kendall Hinton, I believe it is, yes, from Wake Forest, and then also from Tarleton State, wherever that is, Zamari <laughs> Manning. So with that stage being set, the Broncos on paper, Zach, I think it's fair to say, took a quantum leap forward with regard to the quality of their wide receiver depth chart. Pro Football Focus went through and ranked all 32 teams based on their wide receiver core, and the Broncos checked in at number nine. So according to Pro Football Focus, this is a top 10, a top nine wide receiver core. And I just want to read to you the summation of what they said here, and then I want to get your thoughts. Yeah. Quote, Corlin Sutton's size combined with Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler's ability to stretch the field both vertically and horizontally gives the Broncos plenty to work with from a game plan standpoint. The number four spot will be a battle between the six foot five Tim Patrick, who had a solid 65.9 receiving grade on 30 targets last season, and the third-year receiver Deshaun Hamilton, who's more of a possession option, averaging 9.3 yards per reception in his career. If the two rookies develop quickly, the Broncos will have one of the best receiver groups in the NFL, close quote. And Zach, this kind of echoes something that Chad Ochocinco Johnson talked about a month and a half back or whatever that was, that he's never seen a team with three bona fide number one wide receivers, and he thinks the Broncos are just that. So do you think that's a fair summation of the Broncos at this stage on paper anyway, being ranked number nine? 
that's my thing on paper. Obviously, they both, Hamler and Jerry Judy, have a lot to prove. And uh, Corlton Sutton's fairly well proven. But collectively, Chad, how could you come away looking at these three? And then you add in Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick. How do you come away not thinking that's a top 10 receiving core? Then you have Noah Fant. Then you have two pass catching backs or one pass catching back and Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay. It's just explosive. And, and every way you look at it, possession wise, down the field between the seams in the red zone, it's stretching teams out vertically, horizontally, and you add a number nine ranked wide receiver core, and you have a top 15, maybe even top 12 supporting cast. All the rankings, Chad, that are coming out about Denver, it's all within the top half of the league. And when's the last time they had anything close to that in a season? And now all the different pieces are coming together. And I'll say it again. If this receiving core finishes ninth overall in the NFL, it means Drew, Drew Locke is a top 12 quarterback. And if he's a top 12 quarterback, this is a top 12 offense. And if they're a top 12 offense, this is a playoff team. It's as simple as that. Amen, dude. That's how I summed it up. You combine the expected leap forward of Noah Fant in year two, the additions of the rookie wide receivers and the Broncos offense could very well end up being one of those dark horses that kind of takes the NFL by storm in 2020, especially if Pat Shermer, the new offensive coordinator, to the Broncos believe him to be top 15 offense at bottom, I think is, is a fair expectation for this unit. And as you said, if that's how it shakes out with what we already know about Vic Fangio's defensive acumen, the talent, the experience on that side of the ball, this is going to be a dangerous team. Yeah, that's a 9-10 win team right there. You put it all together. The only thing holding the Broncos back is the Broncos. They're going to go as far as their individual and collective talent takes them. And you you pair like a, a top five defense, maybe even a top three defense. They have that potential with a top 15 offense. I mean, that's a well-rounded team. Like we've been saying, not a lot of other opponents want to face come January. Well said. We got Callie Dave jumping in, one of our Super Chat superstars. Really appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Dave. He says, crazy week, but I'm back. So is training camp still a go? Can't wait. So at this stage, you know, we've we've expressed some of our anxieties on the issue. Uh, Zach, I think, did, especially last night, that it's like, when is what when are we get why are, is the NFL waiting till the eleventh hour right. to negotiate and codify all these issues with the NFL PA when you've got camps? for why it feels like the 11th hour, and I guess not just feels like why it is the 11th hour, is I don't envy NFL teams and owners and the commissioner in this regard because they've kind of had to wait and see what the environment with the, we'll say the, instead of saying the word that shall go unmentioned, we'll just say CV, okay, Mm. how it's affecting the different NFL markets. And then they got to, now that they know and it's budding up, coming up close to training camp, Now they're just having to basically make decisions based on the current situation as it is. But they had to wait to see because in some of these markets, I mean, especially in the Texas markets, in the Florida markets, Colorado, I mean, pretty much everywhere, cases are spiking, even though the hospitalizations, hospitalizations, excuse me, and uh, death rates are plummeting for the most part. Um, And so the NFL has just kind of had to be in a waiting pattern to see what local municipalities are going to allow them to do. I mean, the Broncos – what was it yesterday? The 15th of July, the 15th of July, they waited until they finally sent an actual letter out to their season ticket holders, letting them know what the policy on attendance is going to be, how they can opt out, how, if they want to get refunds, if they want to get a credit toward 2021. I mean, they waited till the 11th hour. And in that sense, I, I, I sympathize with the shot callers on the NFL side, Zach, just because this has been a, a never, an 
constantly moving ground shifting beneath their feet with regard to CV since basically, I mean, from March on, it just, it's been doing this. And so hopefully though, they can make some decisions. Last thing I'll serve this over to you. Hopefully they can make some decisions based on the reality that it's probably going to continue to do this for a little while. Okay. At least probably till November. All right. It's probably going to happen that way. Um, So you need to base your decisions around, look, we have to plan for the unplannable. We have to plan for the unexpected. And it'll be interesting to see. There was a there was a good article that I retweeted, if you guys want to go check this out, from Tony Pauline of the Pro Football Network, where he went through and laid out the latest from the inside on what the points of contention are between the NFLPA and the NFL owners. Go read that article. The NFL had the luxury of time, whereas other sports leagues did not. That luxury chat has run out, and they're trying to wait and wait and wait and wait and negotiate, and they can't come to any sort of consensus. I I do believe the NFL felt blindsided by this recent surge in cases. I feel like they felt it was going down. We were flattening the curve. It It was getting to be put behind us, and they can continue on this summer with training camp like normal, maybe work fans into the preseason, and then lead into a mostly normal regular season. When this... This recent batch of surging cases came along. It set them back. They didn't anticipate that, and that's how it's going to be. They have to have a, a shifting, fluid plan in place, whether it comes to IR lists, how many active people on the roster, how many quarterbacks you can hold on a roster, everything. It's it's solvable problems, but they have to get to it now. They can't wait anymore. We're two weeks away from camp, a month and a half away from the regular season, and we have no idea what's going to happen beyond no fans at training camp and maybe some fans in the stands in different places around the country. Not here, but there. Not here, but there. There's just so much up in the air right now, Chad. And it's maddening because we all want a football season. That's the common denominator. No matter where you stand politically, no matter where you stand on CV, we all want football. And it seems like the people in charge of giving us football this fall are just dragging their feet along and taking their sweet time. It's frustrating. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. 
They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Yep, it's a tricky situation. It really is a tricky situation. And hopefully it gets solved here soon. To get back to what Dave was actually asking us, it's still the 28th. Preseason might not happen if the players get their way. They don't want any preseason games. Owners want at least one game, at least one, if not two because it helps with the roster construction and it'll help mitigate a little bit the sting of the revenue losses they're all planning for. Um, But I'm looking at this, this piece from Pauline and he talks about, you know, here, I'm just going to read the bullet point headlines of the issues that are being discussed right now between the NFL and NFLPA health and safety protocols for players and staff, other health and safety topics discussed. uh, He goes through that as well. Uh, injuries and pay. And let me just quote this. There is concern quote about injuries and the possibility of them spiking this season due to no off season training to help them understand how this can affect players this season. The players league uh, players association research. They're looking for a lot of non padded practices in the early part of training camp and more practices focused on conditioning. That's a good example. Um, Another bullet point roster rules for the upcoming season may have noticeable changes. As you talked about, they might need to amend the CBA temporarily to allow for bigger, larger um, practice squads. Because as we've discussed on this podcast before, if there is a an outbreak, odds are it's probably going to be a position room. I mean, it might end up affecting an entire locker room. Knock on wood. Hope not. But you probably it it could end up affecting more than one person, one player in the same position room. You're going to need to have reinforcements available to step in and play out of the gates, which is why it would make sense. The NFL, though, would have to be willing to pay those additional practice squad players, and they make about 100k right now uh, for being on the practice squad. So that would, you know, in other words, it's an ask. You're, the, the players are asking the NFL to do something that is beneficial to the players financially, but Zach, it's also beneficial to NFL owners to have that contingency plan in place. Um, so. I would recommend, guys, we could go through this. NFLPA wants players to have choices this coming season. They're talking about the economic effect in terms of the players want the NFL to whatever the revenue loss is this year due to fan attendance expected to be down. Quote, and uh, NFLPA leadership stated that few or no fans in the stands means the revenue from 2020 could go from $16.5 billion to $12.5 billion. Of course, so a $4 billion drop. Of course, the 2021 salary cap may be negatively affected if this happens. And this is something that affected, no doubt, the Justin Simmons negotiations on some level anyway. Because of this, the NFLPA is engaged with the league and is looking for ways to minimize the impact on next year's salary cap based on a shortfall of revenue this season. They want to, the NFLPA, spread out the shortfall of revenues act during the 2020 season over the course of the entire remaining CBA. So instead of it just hitting 2021 all at once and then you move on, They want that, whatever that shortfall is, to be spread out over the ensuing nine seasons. I don't think people realize how much that is, Chad. That's a quarter of all revenue they stand to lose from 16 to 12. That $4 billion is a lot of money. And and the NFL and the NFLPA, they all want money. They they want to be, they have different positions, different stances on how they should be paid. 
But the, it all comes down to money. That's why we're going to have the season. We're going to have training camp. That's why they're fighting for a preseason game. The owners want to make back the revenue they're going to lose. Millions upon millions of dollars and collectively billions of dollars lost. It's so much money, and it's incomprehensible to think about. In any other year, Chad, if, if we would have told you that the NFL is losing $4 billion, we would think they're folding up. They're going the way of the XFL. That's how significant the CV has been, the impact on the sport. And that's why these questions had to be answered before July 16th at the earliest. It's just uh, a little slower than I would have preferred. That's all. I'd like to still be able to go through some of these points as we kind of organically navigate the conversation and see what's on. I mean, this is the mailbag, so we're going to get to the questions and the supers right now. But as as we go through it, I, I want to go back to it. There's a few other points I want to talk, get your thoughts on, get the community's thoughts on. But I want to grab Brian here because I know he wanted us to – I saw this after the fact. He wanted us to get this question last night. He says, uh, bold take, Drew Locke's career will surpass Patty Mahomes. Thoughts? Zach, the thing is, is I think it's great to have orange-colored glasses on, and every fan should have, at some level, an optimistic outlook on your team. I mean, that's just the way every fan should be. But Patrick Mahomes, up to this point in his career, three years into the league, he's now in his fourth year, has – achieved at a level unprecedented in the history of the NFL. So to say that Drew Locke, to expect Drew Locke to outshine him, the odds of that, as much as we all think Drew Locke's the truth and and we all believe he's going to be a good player in this league, the odds of him being at that or exceeding the same level of Mahomes, it's just it might be a bridge too far today. Now, if Drew Locke gets into the 2020 season and lights it up, and we're talking 40-something touchdown passes, 4,000-plus yards, and just – is this, then, you know, maybe that he's onto something, but we got to wait till there's a little bit more of a sample size. These aren't orange colored glasses. These are orange colored eyeballs, Chad. I, I mean, I love Drew Locke and all. I, I root for the Broncos and Locke to do well, but Patrick Mahomes is on a tra- trajectory that exceeds anything we've seen in the history of the sport. In two starting seasons, to have an MVP, Super Bowl title, and a Super Bowl MVP under his belt, and to make the throws that he makes, and to bring them back in the playoffs from these huge deficits, and then it's just been super superhero like Chad. It's been remarkable. I'm not advocating for the Chiefs. I'm not rooting for them. I'm not doing anything like that. There's no agenda. You have to recognize Patrick Mahomes as having GOAT potential. Locke, we all love him. We think he's going to be good, but can we say that about him? No. We don't even know if he's going to be a a long-time starter in the NFL just yet. Patrick Mahomes will be. He's the first half-a-billion-dollar athlete in the history of the world. Is Drew Locke, he's on his rookie contract making a, a couple million dollars a year. There's no comparison right now. I love the optimism. Locke can be very, very good. The Broncos can challenge the Chiefs, but to say that, it's beyond bold. It's 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 a little on the comical side. Have you ever seen the movie Slapshot, the old hockey movie? Yeah. Long Anytime time. I hear that phrase, challenge the Chiefs, I think of that locker room scene. <laughs> uh, very, it's actually quite iconic, but this is not a hockey podcast. We got Zeus McPeak jumping in, showing some love on Super Ooh. Chat. Zeus, indeed. Appreciate you, my friend, and your generosity, as always. He says, message to Mark Langley, one of our superstars who joined us last night. And, Zach, we got some pretty rave reviews on Mark's appearance on the show. So Mark's awesome. Good to hear. He says, Mark, you rocked it last night. I'm back in Seattle and ready for some Broncos talk. Awesome. Thank you, Stu. We're going to give that to you. We're going to deliver. Uh, We got Bronx legend. Been a minute since we've seen our friend. Angel in the chat stream. It's good to have you in, my friend. Appreciate you showing some love like that. And he says, got to show the best pod some love. Hashtag 
state of being. Appreciate awesome, you, dude. as always. Much love to you, my friend. We also got Zach Web Design, our friend Zach, who's going to eventually be on the pod as on one of our superstar segments, being very generous on, on Super Chat. Thank you, Zach. He says, just because you guys deserve love and support, I love our MHH family. Incredible. I mean, it's it's just the height of just sweetness, dude. We just love you. Appreciate you, my friend. So grateful. Thank you, Zach. Um, we got Larry Vaughn. Also, a few guys in the stream tonight. Loving it, dude, that we haven't seen for a minute. Maybe Larry's been in there Stop and Larry. I'm just missing him. But it's good to have you back with us, Larry. And look, I don't fault for what it's worth, guys. I don't fault any fan that kind of during basically from – you know, the last couple of weeks following the draft. So you get through the analysis wave of what the draft picks were and, you know, how they fit. A lot of fans from that point forward until training camp or right before camp kind of just check out, go about their lives, enjoy their summer vacations, do their thing. And they yeah. come back and attack the team and get their interest and their passion and whatnot when football is here. And I don't fault any fan that, that operates that way. But I'm not saying that's you, Larry. Don't get me wrong. Don't. I'm just saying if people come, they go, we get you. But he says, haven't had the chance to watch live in a long while, but it's still nothing but love. Hope you guys and everybody else in Broncos country are good. Appreciate you, Thank dude. you, Larry. That's awesome. I mean, that's that's several supers that are just supporting the channel, supporting the podcast, and uh, we really appreciate it. You know, we've up to this point – oh, I just had a jump, uh, John, just for what it's worth. Let me see what uh, – that was really weird. Hold on one sec, gang. I got to scroll back up. Here's Christy. Jumping in. Symbolic number, as always, when she shows some love on Super Chat, the queen of MHH herself. Appreciate you, Christy. She says, just showing some love to the pod of all pods. And, Zach, (laughs) while we're on this subject, thank you, Christy. Um, I wanted to shout out. I want to start doing this more. I don't think we spend enough time uh, giving attention uh, to our our audience on Apple Podcasts, which is in excess of about 11,000 listeners that check out every single podcast. And we have some, many, several actually, uh, five-star reviews that have come in. I just want to shout out a few of them here. We got Jared Orton. Appreciate that five-star review, my friend. Uh, Chris Funk, who said five stars, says best Broncos pod. Really appreciate you. Uh, Asemtech17, hashtag state of being is the title of his review. Five stars, really appreciate you. And then we've even got one that's Iowa Banker, 40 five-star review that just simply says, Five stars, simply the best Denver Broncos podcast available. So there's a few other ones that preceded that, like Colt 357, shout out to you, Mile High Magic. Anyway, we want to start being able to weave our Apple podcast community and and audience more into what we do here on the podcast and in the live stream. So shout out to you guys. Um, Glenn, appreciate you jumping in, my friend. You've got the man cave to end all man caves. Very impressive. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, go to hopefully you're following MHH on Instagram. But if not, make sure you're following on Twitter and go find that image we we sent out of Glenn that he sent us. He says, so excited for this offensive talent. Even young, I'm saying yes, top 10. Hashtag MHH, hashtag state of being, hashtag Bruce Smith handyman. Where's, where's that coming from, Glenn? I'm trying to see. Am I missing something? I'm trying to think back. Like, where's the context? Are you Bruce Smith's handyman? <laughs> it's his all-famer. All-time leader in sacks in the NFL. Uh, 200, right? Like right on the nose, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, anyway, Glenn, appreciate you, my friend. Zach, it's a young, young offense, which puts the onus on 
Drew Locke and Pat Shermer. So to me, the question is, we've talked a lot about Drew Locke. The question is, do you have faith that Pat Shermer can be the guy, along with Mike Shula as quarterback's coach, that can get the most out of these young guys? Well, in terms of Bruce Smith, he's one of uh, Vaughn's mentors. I don't know if that ties in at all. But uh, in terms of the offense, Chad, it's not so crazy. It's a lot less delusional. It's a lot less comical of a take. It's not so bold to say there'll be a top 10 offense. On paper, they have a top, you know, 12 supporting cast, a top 10 receiving core, a top, you know, six or seven backfield in the NFL. It all comes down to Drew Locke and the quarterback. He has the coaching. He has the talent around him. He has the support of the front office. It's all on Drew Locke's arm. But what he showed last year in those five games, it wasn't a big enough sample size, but he showed things beyond a normal rookie chat. What he was doing in the pocket, his escapability, his sack rate, the throws he was making, changing arm arm angles, throwing off platform. I mean, he was doing incredible things. And if he just extrapolates that over the course of his career, he's going to be just fine. And if he's just fine, the Broncos are just fine. It's not crazy to think it could be top 10. I don't happen to think ultimately it'll finish that way, but maybe 11th, 12th, they're going to be right there and pair that again with the top five, top seven defense. Scary, scary team. I mean, with how much we saw Joe Flacco getting a living snot beaten out of him, I mean, he was a statue, immobile, deaf, blind, and dumb in the pocket. Half the time it felt like anyway watching. I expected Drew Locke to be pretty constantly harassed. Turns out he was pretty consistently harassed. He was pressured back basically 29th most in the NFL for quarterbacks who had at least 150 dropbacks, but he led the NFL in being the hardest quarterback to sack with at least 150 dropbacks. That's very striking, dude. Very encouraging as a rookie, especially when you have the preternatural gifts of guys like Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. I mean, even Lamar Jackson, that intense, explosive, uh, elusive ability to just, you know, it's hard to it's hard to get your arms around a guy like Lamar Jackson. Drew Locke was better. I mean, even Russell Wilson. How many times have we seen him just defy like Houdini, just find a way to get out of there and make a big play? What I want to see from Drew Locke on that front, Zach, and then I'm going to grab Robert here, is uh, I want him when he's to to make something more out of that time that he buys. It's great that he's hard to sack, and it's great that he buys that additional time. But I want there to be some fruits from that labor. I want to see the deep strikes. I want to see the, you know, a guy slips behind the defense and he, you know, puts it over the top. So, and I think with the larger sample size and the right coordinator now in Denver that we will see that. My thing was, look at the people he was surrounded by on that list, Chad, among the top with him. I mean, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, the the reigning offensive rookie of the year. Deshaun Watson's a multi-time pro bowler. He was already, already mentioned in the same breath as those guys. And he was doing things those guys weren't even doing. And the great thing about Drew Locke, which I I tweeted out there, it's my pin tweet on Twitter. Even if there's pressure in his face, he has the confidence in his arm and the arm talent to deliver a strike. It could be a 70 yard pass down the field or to drop it right in the bucket with perfect accuracy. He really has all the arm talent in the world. And if they just harness that as they should, he's going to be just fine in Denver. This is the overtime podcast network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent, 
Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, so Robert wants to know what's a good name for the new for the Washington team formerly known as the Redskins, Potatoes. I've heard, I don't know, look, I don't really care, um, to be honest with you, but the names I've heard kicked around are the Red Tails, Red Tails, yeah. the Generals, Warriors, the Warriors. So The Lincolns, the Trumps, I've heard like presidential yeah, names, which are never going to fly. No, that's never going to happen. So I don't know, man, but that's, you know, we'll see. Uh, let's grab George here on YouTube. It says, do you think if the Broncos drafted Henry Ruggs, they would still have picked KJ Hamler? And if not, then who would have mm. you liked to see? That's a good question. Uh, that is a good question because they're both, I mean, arguably KJ Hamler's of the opinion he would have ran the fastest at the combine if he would have ran. He has 427 speed purportedly, according to Penn State, who, you know, it's it's not an objective, um, you know, source for that information. So, but we've talked and told you guys the, and shared the story of what Vic Fangio said when he was doing his research on KJ Hamler. It was Vic Fangio was the biggest proponent for the Broncos taking KJ Hamler when they did because he timed him running a ridiculous amount uh, or a ridiculous speed on a punt return. So, do you need two of those type of guys back to back if Ruggs gets drafted instead of of Judy in the first round? I don't know, but there are a lot of there are a lot of really good options in the second round, which, you know, we didn't you and I were not completely starry-eyed about the Hamler pick. We yeah. wanted him to do I'm some other there. things. I'm trying to think back now. I'd have to go look at uh, the draft selection order to kind of refresh my thoughts on who went there right after him that we we were kind of pounding the table for. It's a great question, first of all. It's really thought-provoking. I would happen to think if they drafted Henry Ruggs, given his talent, given his speed, obviously, and given his projection as a number one wide receiver, he would have been a Jerry Judy and a KJ Hamler in one. And I feel like the Broncos made it a point to target wide receivers. They would have doubled up either way. But if they drafted Ruggs in the first round, they wouldn't have drafted Hamler in the second. They would have waited to the third or fourth round and still got a speedy guy but not a premium guy like KJ Hamler. Speed is the only thing Jerry Judy doesn't overly have in excess. He doesn't win with speed. He wins with his route running, his technician, his his footwork. He wins that way. Henry Ruggs wins with speed. So, again, great question. I happen to think if they did go Ruggs, it wouldn't be Hamler in round two. It would have been a tackle, right. hopefully. Let me, let me find it real quick. I'm almost there. All right, KJ Hamler. So here were some of the names that went after KJ in, in round two. Um, Jalen Johnson was one of the corners from Utah that I liked. Trevon Diggs, um, a corner from Alabama. Let me see here. Some of the names. Um, A.J. Epinesa, who I think for most draft Knicks had a first-round grade on him, the D-lineman from more of a true 4-3 defensive end from Iowa. Um, 
You had J.K. Dobbins, a running back, which, I mean, Zach, you tell me, would you have rather taken like a J.K. Robbins in, or excuse me, Dobbins in the second round or pay $16 million for Melvin Gordon? <laughs> Chew on that just for a second. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, there were some picks just based on team needs. Jeremy Chin, the safety from, you know, Steve Atwater's nephew from Southern Illinois. There were some cr- draft crushes that we had <clears throat> that before the Hamler pick was made, we would have preferred to see the Broncos, you know, target. But who knows, man? You can't rewrite, rewrite history, Zach. Yeah, I would have wanted to tackle on that spot. I don't know if Lucas Niang went uh, before or after Hamler. I think he was a second-round pick. So I would have wanted him or someone like Ezra Cleveland. I would have preferred a tackle in the I second round. I don't think Niang went until round three. Okay, even because of his even, injuries. Even better than, I mean, I would have preferred someone who can play the offensive line and give some insurance behind Bulls and, and uh, Jawan James. But you're right. Can't go back. Can't be revisionist. Have to just root for Hamler and uh, hope this offense takes off. All right, let me see what else we've got here. John, I don't know. Let's see. Okay, Robert, here's a better question. Let's grab Robert since we didn't really spend time on his Washington question. Where does Alberto fit in the scheme? Well, if you're talking in the scheme, Zach, he fits as no offense backup because this is not – and especially now that you've got an embarrassment of riches and a log jam at wide receiver, you want three wideouts on the field. And that's that's what Pat Shermer likes. So you can't, unless you're going to just go empty and run five five receiver sets, you're not going to have three wideouts and two tight ends on the field. So in terms of Albert O, view him as a slightly less explosive version of Noah Fant. That's really what he is. So he's a seam buster. He's a guy that can come in and spell Noah Fant and probably give you similar close to production as a receiver but I don't think he was trained in the Jedi arts of blocking like Fant was, and he still has a way to go, but Fant learned at tight end U at Iowa where they teach him the pro style of you know, blocking and receiving. So Alberto is going to take some time to marinate. I think fans would be remiss to get their hopes too high on Alberto in 2020. You know, once you get into 2021 and these coaches get a chance to get a feel for all these players and what they bring to the table, that could very much change. And I expect it to, but, rookies you know it's easy to get a little too excited about them in the in the offseason because they're new and they just came in the draft and all that but unless you're a first round pick high second round pick you know premium round pick it's hard for those guys to really get an opportunity to distinguish themselves as a star so will albert alberto see the field this year i do think he will yeah but he's going to be a backup he's going to be a backup to a backup honestly it's funny you make the fan comparison. I was going to say Alberto is a really souped-up version of Troy Fumagalli. Mostly a pure pass catcher. He can split out wide. He can play in line. I think that's going to be his role. He, he's a, a fairly one-dimensional guy to start out. He will get some reps. You have to wonder, though, Chad, if a lot of this pick was a favor to Drew Locke. They played at Missouri. They had chemistry. They didn't really need a tight end. They had Noah Fant in the first round. They signed Nick Vanette. They have three or four other young guys on the roster who can contribute. Alberto. He, he can be, you know, the, the Aaron Hernandez to Rob Gronkowski and, and Noah Fant, uh, but it's going to take some time to get there if it ever does get there. He, he's a great developmental guy to have on the staff, great guy to have for Drew Locke in the locker room, um, but it's Noah's Fant position at tight end. And it's in Shermer's offense, Chad, it's Fant and there's everybody else. KP here, there's two ways to look at this. Kevin says, I think Bowles has been getting hindered by quarterback statues who like to hold the ball. True. That hasn't helped him in his struggles. It really hasn't. That's that's only magnified and intensified Garrett Bowles' learning curve and struggles. 
But then Kevin says in Chad's recent article, he addressed the fact that Drew Locke is the top quarterback getting the ball out of his hand. He's not the top quarterback in getting the ball out first. He's the top quarterback in evading the sack. It takes the longest for hit for opponents to get him to the turf. So he gets rid of the ball 2.38 seconds from the snap on average, and it takes 4.30 seconds to sack Drew Locke. So there's a couple of different ways to look at it. I think you know the truth lies somewhere in the middle, and that is that Bowles, it, it was no coincidence. Look, I'm not a huge believer in coincidences, all right? there's Things correlate, and for – Garrett Bowles, we talk about how he improved down the stretch and only relinquished one sack from week 13 on. Drew Locke's ability to evade pressure and be athletic and mobile and all that has a role on it. So, yes, that takes pressure off of Bowles, and I think it's one of the reasons why it's safe to be at least slightly optimistic that you're going to see more of the same from Bowles. The Bowles you saw down the stretch last year, you're going to see more of that in 2020. And, you know, I don't think it's outside the bounds of of the plausible too, Zach, to – think that Munchak is finally reaching him in the sense that the penalties will start coming down that discipline and the, the discernment and poise to not, you know, let your technique lapse because you got beat or whatever. I think that improved down the stretch as well, which you can't really attribute so much to, to the quarterback change, but more to the coaching finally sinking in. Well, I mean, here's what I don't understand though. Was Trevor Simeon a statue? Was Case Keenum a statue? I understand excusing him for Joe Flacco because Flacco was literally immobile, but you can't blame every single quarterback on Garrett Bowles or vice versa. He's had multiple offenses, multiple schemes, and he's been the same player through all of it. Flacco did him no favors. Brandon Allen did him no favors. But I think the resurgence with Drew Locke was more about Drew Locke than Garrett Bowles. I just can't stand the hand-holding. He did get better. You saw it in his technique. You saw it in his play. But excusing him since 2017 because of the quarterbacks, I will never get on board with that, Chad. He has to take some accountability for his own play. I agree. Yeah, you can't can't just give him a pass on that front, even if there's some truth to it. Like – NFL players have to man up and own up to their shortcomings and be, they have to be responsible for their play. They have to be ultimately and he was responsible. And, and he too often has tried to shuck the, you know, avoid the, the, the onus, let's say. Um, that's cool. Six foot 10 is saying that he's talked about the Broncos offense rivaling this year, the 2013 Broncos, which we'll see, man. Only time will tell. Uh, Albert on Facebook, one of our superstars, who also was one of the winners of the t-shirts that we gave away earlier this it's, in the mail. it's in the mail, Albert. Look for that, way. my friend. Are they going to practice when open with a reduction from the 93? Zach, I might need your help on in- interpretation thereof. Are they going to practice when the facility's open and with a, a roster reduction from 93 instead of 90? Okay, so there was a report that they were going to perhaps trim rosters from 90 to 75 if the preseason, in fact, got cut down. We don't know that yet. We don't know how, if that's going to happen, if that's what you're asking, Albert. And if we're missing the mark on that, just yeah, just clarify re- clarify your, your question, and we will absolutely get to it. Uh, Bonafide George. superstar, George, the biggest Queensryche fan on the planet Earth and a massive supporter of the podcast and a huge Broncos fan. Really appreciate you, my yeah, friend. Thank you. Another message for Mark Langley. You rocked it, he says, last night, just showing love for our MHH family. Hashtag Bowls 2020. Very nice, dude. Appreciate you, George. And uh, it's fun being connected with you on Facebook and on social media and getting to see, you know, one of the cool things about Facebook, there's a lot to criticize about Facebook. You know, a lot of young people don't even use Facebook anymore. It's like uh, late 30s, 40s and above boomers, if you want to call them that. 
are using Facebook. But one thing I do like about Facebook is for people, whether it's your friends, families, associates, acquaintances, people that you don't see and engage with physically every day, you get a little window into what's going on in their lives. And that's one of the cool things that I enjoy about connecting with our community on social media and like Facebook is seeing what they've got going on and seeing, you know, what, what they're doing and their family and stuff like that. So that's one of the reasons guys reach out to us, connect with us on social Miller 707 says, I don't think he will, but if Justin Simmons has a down year, does Denver resign him still? I strongly feel he's going to ball out and prove his worth, but if he doesn't, how much money do you think he loses? That's a, that's a really good question in terms of if he doesn't, have a if he doesn't follow up all pro with another all pro what happens he still gets paid justin simmons has a unless he gets hurt justin simmons has a phenomenal reputation in the nfl which is one of the things that makes the broncos decision to just not pony up and pay him what he wants curious because he can get that money elsewhere trust me dude if he were a free agent he would have got the money he was after justin simmons is very well respected the other 31 teams know exactly who he is the Broncos just, you know, they don't, they've only extended four Elway draft picks ever, ever. Uh, don't ask me to explain it. I think they, it's just a frugal nature of, of the football executives on that side. It's, they're kind of developing a little bit of a reputation, Zach, for being misers. Uh, and it's not unjustified. Like there are some, there have been a few, like Matt Paradis is a good example. Uh, and the situation here with Justin Simmons, even though they're still paying him a, Big increase. He's getting a huge raise, raise this year. They didn't lock him down long term, and we know he would have got that dude. He would have got that money on the open market. He would have, yeah. He would have been paid like a top three safety. And the Broncos are probably hoping he has a down year. But first of all, what constitutes a down year? Is it one interception, two interceptions? Is he played just in thirteen games, fourteen games? If he takes a downturn from twenty nineteen, he's going to get a multi year contract, and the Broncos would get him on a discount. He wouldn't be asking for 15. He wouldn't have justification to reset the market with a down year. It's all about negotiation and leverage at that time. Simmons's leverage this year was fairly high. He was not a top five, top six safety. He was a top two, top three safety. He would get, like Chad said, though, I'm in full agreement. If not with the Broncos, he will have a multi-year contract from some team in 2021. You don't let good up-and-coming playmaking safeties get away. And also, if the argument against him is that he had one good year and that's why he doesn't deserve a contract, if he has one bad year, why should that be the end-all be-all either? And we need a fair balance and fair assessment on his talent. Even in a bad year, though, he's still, what, top seven guy in the NFL? You pay those guys. You keep them around. Yeah, I mean... It makes me wonder if the Broncos don't win the Super Bowl <clears throat> by virtue of how dominant Von Miller was in that playoff gauntlet, does he get extended? Does John Elway pony up the money? Because one of the things that dictated him getting paid and becoming the highest paid defensive player of all time at the time was the PR crap storm that would have ensued if he yeah. didn't, right? As the reigning Super Bowl 50 MVP viewed whether justified or not, as almost single-handedly bringing home the Lombardi for the Denver Broncos, it would have been a PR nightmare. So I often wonder what would have happened, but nevertheless, it didn't happen, so it's a, it's a moot point. Derek Green, bona fide superstar, and his wife, Adina. Thank you, Derek. Jumping in. Appreciate you, as always. Our friends, uh, they say, great to see you guys. Me and the wife loved Mark's visit and just want to continue to show you guys our support. These pods really help us. So thanks. P.S. Madden will not be bought this year. No respect. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, dude, maybe, Zach, we need to make Derek and Dean, if they want to be, the first yeah. couple to come on the show. 
we can make it work. If you guys want to do it, reach out. You know how to get in touch with us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. And Mark was very, very entertaining, Chad. As, as I rewatched the pod just as like a fan, and he was just so engaging and so comfortable behind the microphone. And uh, I loved listening to his banter. He was very entertaining. It was a very fun episode yesterday to be a part of. Agreed. Agreed. And Chris is another reason why it was such a great podcast. Appreciate your support, man. Bonafide superstar in the community. And we're looking forward to getting you on the show here in the very near future. He says, podcast goats. Wow. Thank you, my friend. Both the hosts and the MHH fam. Keep on keeping on. Hashtag click those little thumbs up. Very sweet, man. You're the best, Chris. Thank you. Up to you, Chris. Uh, Terry Randall up in Canada, north of the 49th parallel. Proven, as always, the Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a hashtag state of being, baby. And he says, favorite pod of the week. Sharing a brain with us on that. Appreciate you, my Thank friend. Thank you, Terry. All right. So, John, the stream from Terry on just jumped on me. So, just keep that in mind, FYI. Uh, AKA Buana Beast. Goodness gracious. The next one I have is Mundungus. So, we'll get to him next. Oh, David Gilgore. Thank so you. So generous. Zach, I mean, wow. consistent. Pod in, pod out, David. You are incredible, man. Yeah, it just blows my mind, the support we get from the community. And uh, we're just looking forward to breaking down this season. It's going to come. It's going to happen. So, it's. I mean, can you imagine how much fun it's going to be when we actually have a product on the field to analyze? As fun as free agency was, Zach, as fun as it is to talk the draft, and that's our favorite time of year from a media perspective. But I think on the podcast, it's going to be – so much more fun to actually have something to analyze and discuss amongst you and I and the community on a daily basis. So we're looking forward to that because we've been doing the podcast for many years now, but we didn't turn it into a live stream podcast until September of 2019. So in a sense, that was our first year and it was the first time doing it every pod live. And so we're still kind of in the honeymoon phase of that. And we're looking forward to continuing again in uh, 2020. So thank you, David. Thank you to all of our superstars and and David, you are the man. Dude, look at that freaking profile pic. Brings a tear to my eye. He says, wanted to say hello. Feeling better. He had the the, the CV. He had the word that we do it's not mention. David. Wanted to thank everyone for the support. Hashtag Kansas Broncos fan. I didn't realize you were in actually in Kansas, I don't think, David. So that's good to know, though, my friend. You uh, you and Carl Dummler are uh, fellow, what is it? Can, can, how would you say that? So Coloradans, can, how would you say it? Kansian, can Kansians can Kansas? I don't, I don't know how to. That's a weird one. Realize that. Appreciate you, my friend. Yeah, glad you're feeling better, David. Absolutely. And then in back-to-back nights, Mundungus wow. basically drops Buana, a, a Benjamin on the channel and supporting us. I mean, it's unbelievable. Want to call him the Wizard Chat? I think that's an appropriate nickname. The Wizard Mundungus, <laughs> showing some massive love, dude. Appreciate yeah, you. That's and amazing. Thank you. It's just it's humbling, Zach, because we know Mundungus. I mean, I want to say three three to four weeks is how long I can remember him being active in the chat, not only in the chat, but being active in the super chat. And so it's just great to see this outpouring in someone who it seems like anyway is relatively new to the podcast. So much love to you, my friend. And as a fellow bookworm and book lover, appreciate you. He says, Holy crap, I was driving as fast as I could to get home to catch the pod. <laughs> oh, be careful, dude. Be careful. I'm debating on buying game tickets to a Bronco game this year, given that we aren't sure if fans will even be allowed. Do you know if ticket prices have been affected or will be affected? Well, Mundungus, you missed last night's pod, I remember, because you said it was your mom's B-Day. So if you haven't had a chance to listen back to that, 
we uh, talked about the Broncos sent out a, a letter to the season ticket holders. And basically what they said is fans are going to be allowed, but it's going to be reduced capacity. So we don't know yet if you're even going to be able to buy individual game tickets. I don't think the Broncos are going to oh, – no, I don't want to contradict it. I don't recall if the letter said, Zach, whether or not they're going to put any individual games uh, up for sale like they normally do. Hmm. But we don't know about ticket prices, though. Bottom line, getting back to what you're saying. Mundungus, we put um, – if you go to milehighhuddle.com, in the community section is a post <clears throat> that is the letter from the Denver Broncos to season ticket holders laying out the changes they made to the stadium for safety and all that stuff. And then also what, you know, the ticket issue and the politics and the protocols thereof. So I would suggest go checking that out when you get some time after the podcast. Yeah. Mon Nuggets, thank you so, so much for your donation. That's it's literally so incredible. And I hope your mom's birthday was great. In terms of the ticket prices, we don't know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. We don't know anything right now. Chad, we had a question yesterday. Someone was asking if they can see the Dolphins game, Dolphins Broncos. We didn't know how to answer because we don't know. The Broncos don't know. The NFL doesn't know. These things are still being worked out and they're just kind of going to have to patch these issues along as we go. I mean, the the next thing is training camp. They're going to have to sort that out. And then from there, they'll work on the regular season. So Keep it locked to us. Keep it locked to uh, the podcast. We'll be sure to break it down when we do know for sure. When we do know for sure. Amen. Appreciate you, my friend. Uh, Jillian jumping in on Facebook. We always want to show love to our awesome Facebook audience as well. I wonder which undrafted free agent will stand out the most on offense and defense. So there's only – let's see. Offensively, you got Bellamy, the running back. you got the quarterback who's just basically a camp arm, Riley – What's his last name? Riley from Vanderbilt. Always escapes me. I don't me know. I, I keep wanting to say Dixon, the punter, but I keep wanting to say anyway. Riley Reef. <laughs> anyway, the, the quarterback. And then you got two wide receivers, which I mentioned earlier in tonight's podcast, uh, Manning and uh, Hinton. Of those four, I think it's going to be the running back. I'm actually quite high on Levante Bellamy from Western Michigan. I think he's going to make the 53. If there's anyone amongst this group of undrafted free agents that makes it and keeps, I think this would be 16 out of 17 years. If, a, if an undrafted rookie makes the 53 this year, it would be the 16th out of the last 17 uh, years that that's happened. I give the highest odds, honestly, to Bellamy. And if you look at the signing bonus structure, which oftentimes dictates how the teams, you know, it's like the next best thing to draft pedigree is, is the signing bonus figures. He was the highest paid from a signing bonus perspective. On the other side, I'm saying a saying Bassey. You got to keep an eye on that kid. That the fit five nine DB. He can play a little nickel corner. He can play a little boundary corner. He's a quintessential Fangio DB. He might even be able to play some safeties at. And Douglas Coleman as well at safety. Those mm-hmm. are the guys on offense and defense. Chad, you nailed it on offense. Uh, Bellamy, I don't know if he'll make the final roster beating out Royce Freeman, but I think he'll make the practice squad. Same for Cleveland. Uh, and they have a couple players that they like they picked up in the eighth round, so to speak. On defense, I, I do believe they're not only going to contribute and stand out in the preseason or training camp, but also on make the regular season roster. And that is Bassing in the secondary as the number four or five cornerback. And I think the third safety will be Coleman taking the old Will Parks role. There's going to be one guy, Chad, who who at least one guy who makes the roster. And knowing John Elway's history and the Broncos' history, that guy will turn into the next Chris Harris Jr., CJ Anderson, will have, you know, depending on which position they play. What's crazy about John Elway's draft record, and then also, you know, we talked about his resume for giving a second contract to a draft pick. He has half his, he's given a second contract to 
what's the best way to phrase this? Well, I'll just lay it out straight. So four draft picks of Elway have received a second contract. That doesn't count, though, that Elway gave a second contract to two former undrafted rookies that the Broncos you know, scouted, found, signed, and developed, Chris Harris Jr. and C.J. Anderson. So if you count them amongst draft, you know, Elway draft picks, I mean, you, they started here as rookies. They were scouted by Elway and the Broncos. It's six. But it's crazy to think that almost half of that number of Elway original players that got a second contract were undrafted freaking rookies. Yeah, that's, it shows you that Elway's a better scouting um, personnel man than people give him credit for, and the people around him, including Matt Russell, are, are really talented in their jobs, John. The Broncos have had tremendous luck and skill in, in that round, so to speak. Amen. Um, that is a very ironic uh, and would be very funny name, my friend. Uh, Flippin' Booch, they should have an Army-type color. That would be cool, in my opinion. Do you guys agree if you're talking about Washington? Yeah, why not? I think they would prefer not to have to change their team colors if they can, if that's what you're talking about. Uh, Greg, it's good to see you, my friend, on Facebook. Really appreciate the kind words. And with you joining us, as always, my friend, thank you. Uh, All right, we're getting close to our time being up, so I want to kind of rapid fire these great supers that are waiting here. We got a good one from James, too, I want to grab. Adina and uh, Derek, I mean, you guys blow us away. Yeah. Thank you so much. You. Appreciate you more than we can say. They, Adina says, just sending y'all some love, some more love from our Broncos family. Very sweet, very kind. We thank you and uh, take Good what people. we said seriously. If you want, if you and your your uh, man Derek want to come on, let us know. Reach out on email and we can set it up. We'll probably be after August because we've kind of got it, you know, scheduled right now. But we can make it happen. Yeah, just good people, Chad. You know. Good souls in this world. Amen. Uh, James, what if he's Isaiah McKenzie that the coaching staff have an idea with how to use him? Talking about KJ Hamler. What if he's Isaiah McKenzie that the coaching staff have an idea with how to use him? I'm not sure how to, to how to interpret that. I think like how McKenzie went on to like star for the Bills, the way they use him at the backfield as a slot guy, all mm-hmm. all over the formation. They the Broncos never had that with getting out of McKenzie. They never had the coaching. Hamler though is is such an upgraded version of Isaiah McKenzie. Whatever McKenzie can do, Hamler can do. Not necessarily the other way around. Uh, if the Broncos and, and Zach Azani, you know, uh, taps all this potential, KJ Hamler, he can be almost like a Tyree Kill. He has that ceiling. Isaiah McKenzie never had that ceiling. Uh, ben Lee jumping in on YouTube. Who do you see the most when you watch Drew Locke play? I see Brett Favre. It's high praise. So when we make comparisons, please don't misinterpret it for being like we're predicting he's the next Brett Favre. But yes, there is some Farvian to him in terms of, I mean, really strong arm, not the strongest arm, but extremely strong whip that he's got. The pure joy. And you can just tell when he's out on the field, man, he just is. It's pure joy. Like it's just he's having the time of his life, and that's very Brett Favre. From a fit perspective, or not fit, but from a skill set traits perspective, I think he's a mix between Favre, Matthew Stafford, and just a little bit of Patrick Mahomes. 
I could throw in there Jay Cutler, Tony Romo. I see a lot in, in Drew yeah. Locke. His 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 improvisational skills and the way he maneuvers around the pocket. He's drawn these lofty comparisons, and he has a little bit of their game in all of them and his different traits. He has to put it all together, though. But if Chad, if he's anywhere near far from Mahomes or any of these lofty comparisons, the Broncos are going to be such a talented and fun team to watch. I cannot wait to see. The number one thing this season is watching Locke develop under center. I cannot wait. No, uh, no offense, man, my friend Kenneth. We think it's funny. We just we gotta we gotta keep it limited to the to, to the Bulls jokes as best we can. You you know what we're saying, but you always bring great insight, great yeah. comments, great, great questions. questions. Yeah, engaged, consistent throughout the entire chat. So you know we appreciate you, my friend, and we are grateful to have you in the community. Uh, Ron Dub, there he is. There he is. Ron Dub jumping in. Bonafide superstar. Hey guys, who do you think the dark horse MVP of our O line and D line? Will be this upcoming. So always great questions, Ron. Yeah, man, that's like you could put an article around that. You know, that's a g- good question. Maybe you should become a writer, Ron. And if you become a writer, maybe you should hit me up, Doc. Um, dark horse MVP. I would. I mean, if you're going to say dark horse, it's probably. I mean, either Lloyd Cushenberry or Graham Glasgow. And of those two, I'm going to say Cushenberry because we know he's that leader that. Uh, is a mauler in the run game, gives up maybe a little too many pressures than you prefer, at least in his last year at LSU. But I think with under the wing of Munchak, Chris Cooper, this is a guy that's, I mean, he's a plug and play starter. You got a first round caliber center in the middle of the third round. So I'm going to say on that side, Zach, it's, it's got to be Cush on the D line. Now that's a little bit more curious. I think if it, to say it would be anyone other than Jarrell Casey though, I mean, you would have to really make a case. He's a, stud he's a bona fide proven nfl stud on the d-line and i mean maybe shelby if he takes that next step in his in his development and proves that he's more than just an occasional sack guy that he can be be disruptive in the run game and i don't think it'll be purcell though is there someone behind those three that we're maybe missing that we should be talking about could it be draymond I was thinking to Marcus Walker. I mean, super dark horse. I dark horse MVP is a little contradictory because if you're the MVP, you're not a dark horse. On the offensive line, they're all pretty much dark horses, but the darkest horse is Garrett Bowles. So if he can really hit his potential and the Broncos can finally get that light bulb to go off, he can be a top 15 tackle in the NFL left tackle. And if he is, I think he would be the MVP only if no one's expecting that this season from Garrett Bowles. If he can be on Garrett Bowles-like, he will be the MVP. Jarrell Casey, to me, is too easy to say. I mean, he will be the MVP, but the dark horse guy could be Demarcus Walker. If he makes the roster, fighting for his job, fighting for his future, we know he has the potential, you know he has the pass-rushing juice. If he can just harness that and get in Fangio's good graces, that's a dark horse candidate right there, but buried underneath everybody else. Well said. That's a great point, dude. That's a great point. That was not necessarily low hanging fruit, but very when you want to talk about dark horse, although being the MVP, I mean, if Bowles if Bowles turns that corner, you need your left tackle to be your MVP on the O line. So well said, uh, Caleb jumping in on YouTube. Do you think Noah Fan can make a George Kittle type jump from his rookie year to year two? I do think he can. I think he's a more naturally gifted athlete and player overall than Kittle is. But does he have the same wherewithal between the years? Does he have the same grind and work ethic? That we don't know yet. You know, only time will tell. I think he's going to have a big jump in year two. I really do. I think Noah Fant is going to be one of those guys that everyone knew because he was a first-round pick and a big-name draft prospect coming out of Iowa. 
but he's going to be a guy like Cortland Sutton, who everyone knew, but now he becomes like a household caliber name in his second year. Like he's going to be that good. Is he going to be like best tight end in the league caliber, or at least George Kittle, you know, challenges Travis Kelsey, I think for that. Maybe, maybe not quite yet. That's where I'm at. I, I will see a better you know, Noah fan overall. I think he was pretty good as a pass catcher, but he will improve his run blocking this year and become just a more balanced tight end. But when uh, George Kittle was coming up, no one was saying, is he the next Travis Kelsey? Let Noah Fant be Noah Fant. Let's not put him in a box. Let's not make him be something he's not, put all these expectations and pressure on him. Let's let him develop the way he's going to develop. And I, I happen to see flashes of Rob Gronkowski in him. And if they can just unlock half of that, he will be a much better player in year two than he was in year one. But George Kittle, they're, they're kind of different in a lot of ways, Chad. Let's let Noah Fant be Noah Fant and not make him the next George Kittle. Definitely not the blocker Kittle is or anywhere right. close quite yet. Um, all right, Zach, jumping back in. You don't have to do that, my friend. You Thank know, you. You're just so generous. We appreciate you. He says, here's my thinking about our Denver Broncos this year. Other defenses will be confused or maybe DBs. Either way, other defenses will be confused in coverage. We have so many weapons that they can't double team everybody. Hashtag just saying. Yeah, dude, that's the that's the tight spot you want to put defensive coordinator, uh, coordinators into as an offense. You want to have so many dynamic, potent weapons that threaten defense that it's pick your poison. You know, last year, unfortunately, because Noah Fant was still in his rookie learning curve and really kind of hit that wall, even though he had a couple of big plays from Drew Locke, um, down the stretch last year, one in Kansas City, one in, I want to say, the Houston game. I might, I might be missing one. But either way, um, for the most part, when defenses were able to take Cortland Sutton out of the game, the passing offense was significantly muted, and the offensive line just wasn't good enough to carry the day on the ground. As good as Philip Lindsay is, you know, you just didn't see those big holes. You didn't see those big splash plays as much from Lindsay last year, even though he got his thousands. So, you're going to see that change this year because you can't afford to constantly put the focus on Sutton because Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, and a fan going into year two, especially with the way Shermer schemes, it really is Zach a pick your poison. And that's one of the reasons why it's just we're all so excited to see how this takes shape this year. And this is why I'm saying don't run out and predict a thousand yards for Jerry Judy, a thousand yards for KJ Hamler. All these different weapons are going to work mostly and sometimes as decoys for Cortland Sutton. The one guy that's going to benefit the most besides Drew Locke from all these new weapons in place is your number one future all pro bona fide receiver in Cortland Sutton. He's going to have to stay monster here because they can't bracket him. They can't triple him. They can't double him. The question for me comes from the other side. What is Drew Locke going to do? when they take away Cortland Sutton because teams will catch on to that and they start making him a point of emphasis. They put three guys on him consistently, let's say. What are they going to do? Where is Locke going to go? I'm interested to see who becomes his standout, no doubt about it, number two guy. Is it Judy? Is it Hamler? Is it Patrick? Is it Melvin Gordon? That's where I want to see development from, and that's where I want to see progress being made. But all these weapons, it's going to make it tough on coordinators, but it's such a bonus and a boon for Cortland Sutton. For life, the rock on super chat, and this is an, another new name to the, to the to the chat stream and to supers that I don't recognize. So, thank you for your support and welcome to the manger, my friend. He says, "Answer me this: Why are the Chiefs spending so much cash, and how are they doing this?" Hashtag signed a defensive player this week. Well, first and foremost, you're right that in order to pay out those bonuses, you got to be flush with cash. But what did the Chiefs accomplish last year? They just won a world championship. Revenue are through the roof for them right now. 
So there's a reason why they have, you know, and depends on the, the frugal uh, financial management and how that team is, is run. And I think this is, it's pretty evident that they do a good job of, even though they were close up against the cap, they had it planned and structured. They knew they were going to have to pay Mahomes, and they had the cash handy to take care of the signing bonuses. But, you know, when it's all said and done, it's two year window. They still have the way that Mahomes deal is structured. So, Talk to me once you get beyond 2022, and we'll see if the Chiefs are still able to be the juggernaut that they are now in terms of all that talent. I mean, they're so talented on both sides of the ball. Are they going to be able to sustain that without just crushing it in the draft? That remains to be seen. But, Zach, the way that that deal for Mahomes is structured, the hits don't really start coming until 2022. Yeah. So that was obviously an evident that evidently their um, mantra was, look, let's sell out to – Keep this window for another two years if we can. I don't think Brett Veach gets enough credit in the NFL, the, the yeah. Chiefs general manager. He's a top five guy and their cap guy. I don't even know who the, his name is, Chad, but he does. If you can sign a guy to a half a billion dollars and you still have flexibility for two more years, if you even have a window still open, if it doesn't cripple your cap, you did something majorly right. They appeased him by tying his contract to the revenue streams and the, and the TV deals. They got their quarterback under contract for a decade. And it's not going to even go into effect for two years. And you still have money left over to finesse enough because the salary cap is an illusion, folks. It's not real. And the Chiefs guy finessed it in the best way possible and getting your franchise defensive lineman, Chris Jones, under contract for the future, for the long term as well. you got to just tip your hat sometimes to Kansas City. What they did with these two players, Chad, is remarkable. And it shows that if the Broncos want a player bad enough, they can always find a way to make it happen. When it comes to the salary cap where there's a will – there is a way, and yes. you can defer cap hits over multiple years down the road. And so, you know, if there's a reason why, for example, Justin Simmons didn't get that long-term extension, the Broncos could have done it. It's not like they were so up against the cap that there was no options. And even if they were up against the cap, again, we talked about this on last night's pod, the Chiefs started this offseason with not even enough cap space to buy one of their own tickets. So anyway. Uh, Christy jumping in again, showing some love on supers. This is the last podcast for us this week. So thank you, Christy. She says, hope you all have a great night. Uh, we got Broncos for life. Scotty jumping in also appreciate your thank you super chat. Just showing love. I have many podcasts I download for work every day, but yours always get bumped to the first one in the morning. Very That's cool. Awesome to hear. Very sweet, man. Very humbling. Thank you so much for popping in and, uh, not only supporting the channel, supporting the podcast, but telling us that, man. That means a lot to us. We like hearing that stuff. Thank you. Um, Glenn wants to know, jumping back in. Thank you, Glenn. Thank How you. do we buy a gift certificate <laughs> from Mundungus to stock Zach's shelves? Hashtag channeling my inner KP. Hashtag when do you two do a book together? <laughs> I am uh, Zach. I'll let you reply to him while I because uh, Mundungus gave me his URL. I'll put it in the chat stream. Now I'm just being vindictive and petty enough where I'm not going to even fill that bookshelf just so I get these comments. But yeah, it, it'll happen it, slowly but surely. I have some plans for the background and everything like that. So I love the jokes, though. It's always good food. If you guys want to check out Mundungus's bookstore, I just put it in the chat stream. So check it out. Take get care of the books. community. That's what we do. Um, all right, John, am I missing one? Oh, Mark. Oh. Hey, dude. Thank you for popping in like you did. Hopefully you got a chance to hear all the positive feedback on you. Uh, your appearance on the podcast. So 
we look forward to eventually having you back on, my friend. It was great. We had a lot of fun. Mark, you're quickly becoming a legend in the MHH community. You you have that allure about you, and uh, we definitely have to talk again, get you on the pod again. It was great. Jay Bone wants to know, does Christian Covington line up in any spots besides one tech? Three Zach, you, uh, you covered him in Dallas last year. Yeah, he can play all over the formation. He can play uh, one through five pretty much, three technique, five technique, out wide, over the guard, in between the tackles. Uh, he's a really underrated member of the defensive line. I forgot about him when I mentioned my underrated guys. If he beats out Demarcus Walker for a roster spot, I think it's going to come down to one of those two. He can be that dark horse MVP, good against the run, good against the pass, never really got a shot in Dallas to maximize his potential. If Bill Kalar can harness that, Chad, and Fangio can harness that, they might have a really underrated, like almost a Shelby Harris 2.0 in Christian Covington. Kenneth wants to know, remember when the Broncos wanted a new stadium and were threatening to move the team, then we won a Super Bowl and that all went away. Is that what, uh, is that what really happened or am I getting that wrong? I honestly don't remember that at all. I remember there was some beef that Bolin had to deal with from um, the municipality that commission that, you know, gives public money to the Broncos for the stadium. You know, they chip in on that because it's also beneficial having the team to the city from a tax base perspective. But I don't remember exactly that the way you lay it out like that. So, and I've been following the team closely. I've been covering the team every day since 12 and I don't, my, I mean, I go all the way back to the 80s. I don't remember it exactly playing out like that. So apologize, my friend, but you might have to, uh, we might have to get back to you on that. All right, guys, that's got to do it for tonight's podcast. Thank you so much for making another mailbag just the most fun for Zach and I. We love you guys and uh, really appreciate you taking time with us on a sleepy Thursday night in the middle of the dead NFL summer. We're chugging along, and you guys are showing up right here with us, and it means a lot. Mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars. You know we love you and appreciate you. Um, Let me remind everybody real quick before you bounce out to, especially if you're on YouTube and especially right now if you're on Facebook, before you X out, like the video. And if you love what we're doing, share it. And especially on YouTube, gang, make sure you are subscribed. You you might think to yourself, "Ah, I don't need to subscribe. I just hop on. I find it when I want to watch it or I want to listen. But those subscriptions help us in terms of in the algorithm with YouTube. So if you're a consistent and regular listener and you're not subscribed, just small thing. It helps us out a lot to make sure you are subscribed to the channel. And then make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You want to also check the box for at Mile High Huddle. And whatever you do, don't forget to follow my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen and Zach This wraps up another phenomenal week of podcasting for Huddle Up. We look forward to next week because not only do we have some great content to get to, but we're going to have a clip Stormborn on the show on Wednesday night, live from Philly. It's going to be a gas, and I hope you have a great weekend, my brother. You as well, and I was going to say that these these sleepy Thursdays won't be sleeping much longer. A couple weeks, we have training camp. We have the season rolling around soon. Just hang in there, guys. We're almost there, and the season is going to be so much freaking fun. It really is. We can't wait. Hang in just a little bit longer, you guys, and it'll all be worth it. So have a great weekend. Stay safe. Be smart. For Zach Kelberman, of course, also for Buona Beast, John himself. I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys on the other side Sunday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. But also, guys, don't forget, you've got Dove Valley Deep Divers tomorrow night. Eric and uh, Lance will be on. And then 
Nick and uh, Luke will be on Saturday, Mile High Insider. So we're not – Mile High will continue to have the live streams. You know how we do, seven days a week. So make sure you check those out. But Zach and I will see you again on Sunday. For Zach, I'm Chad. See you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.